Good morning, everyone. It is 7.03 a.m. as I'm recording this. Welcome to After the Gig. I'm Jesse Humphrey. I am your host, as always. Um, so, today on the show is a special show today because we have Mr. Barry Privet, lead singer, uh, kind of do-it-all dude in uh, Carbon Leaf. We've been talking about doing this episode for a little while, and uh, it just kind of worked out this time around doing it on Zoom. I know when I'm down there uh, getting ready for the show and doing the shipping stuff for the Kickstarter, um, there's not going to be a ton of time to get this done, so um, this was the best way to do it. And a big thing uh, that we're talking about today is the Carbon Leaf Kickstarter, which ends on Saturday. So... We have some goals. We'd love to get up to 250,000. That would be incredible. 2,500 backers. I, I think there's almost uh, 2,000 backers, but make sure you go to the Carbon Leaf Kickstarter. I'm going to leave a link in the description. We want to, um, I mean, it just blows me away how supportive the Carbon Leaf fans have been. I've only been in that, the Carbon Leaf family for you know, three short years here. And uh, the support from everyone has been pretty remarkable. So go check that out. Support the band because it's almost done. Make sure you get in there and get some of the really special offers that we have. And uh, also, moving on from that, if you want to check out my live stream on Thursdays, it's happening tomorrow. It's called the Over the Hump live stream, playing some songs, hanging out answering some questions, whatever you guys, you guys have been there before. If you haven't, uh, shoot me a friend request. It's on my personal Facebook page, uh, just facebook.com slash Jesse Humphrey. There is a Patreon page for after the gig. It's patreon.com slash after the gig, believe it or not. And, uh, there's a bunch of extra content, uh, exclusive content, things on there that are interesting. And I post on there once or twice a month put some extra things on there so be sure to check that out uh that's it let's get to this episode with mr barry Privet. couldn't ask for a better day to buy two to the ring to the right point of view each retreat to the corner that's defined by you to the ring to the right point of Okay. <laughs> yes, Terry is setting up for tomorrow. And we are, um, for those at home, we, I be broadcasting from our studio, two-car studio, where we normally would rehearse or demo or record. And uh, it's, it's um, right now I'm surrounded by a bunch of cardboard boxes, sh- uh, seven-foot shelves full of T-shirts and... and That's all right. A bunch of, bo- um, yeah, some some merchandise is coming in, so we're getting getting ready to stage things for shipping in a few weeks. It's like I don't understand the scope 
of all the stuff that you have to do to get prepared for all this stuff. Like I know we've talked about it before and it's funny that we're doing yes. this via zoom cause I'm going to see you next week. But I, uh, I, I just don't, I can't wrap my head around all the stuff that it takes to like do that. Do you, en- do yeah. you enjoy doing all of it? Yeah. And you've, you've, you've inquired about like wanting to know some of that stuff and we need to sit down and like do it. Um, yeah show you because yeah it is it's it's a mind-numbing amount of minutiae and details because even if you were just even if you were just putting together an an album keeps kicking even if i was just doing an you know if we were just doing an album there would be a lot of steps but we're doing an album and then we're doing a a, you know our first blu-ray and it's you know it's also a dual audio cd and um we're doing you know merchandise we're and we're creating a new you know two new accessories you know a face mask and an armband and you know you have to kind of create that stuff you have to de- design it and go back and forth with you know who's going to be making it f- with you and and yeah because uh, it's a question of like quality too because if you go and get a bunch of t-shirts you want to make sure that they are a like good designs and then B good quality. Like I just had an after the gig shirt made and I got it from, you know, I won't say the name of the, of the site, but it's like a big kind of, you know, corporate, you know, we print, we'll, we'll do your custom shirt kind of thing. And I was like, okay, I'll try it out. And I got one shirt. It cost me like 30 bucks to make cause it's only one shirt. And I wanted right. to just try it. And it was garbage. Like, no. I, I got it back and I don't know if, if it was the type of printing mm-hmm. that they did, but you can literally see like the, you know, the designs up here and then it's like this whole square where they like, well, pl- plop the designs weird. Well, so now there's, and there, there's a lot of that stuff that you kind of learn to look out for or, or know what's an issue and what's not an issue. And if you're looking at a square, I guess I would ask you, you know, have you washed the shirt? I, um, so when I first got the shirt, I noticed that it felt different, like no. in that square area. And then I washed it. And then now I can see a different, like a discoloration between, oh. you know, the, the actual square, mm-hmm. like where they put the template or whatever. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's I don't a know. dark, and it's a dark shirt probably. It's a, it's a dark shirt. It's like this, almost the same color as this shirt. Yeah. Well, a lot of the screen printing processes, you know, they actually, yeah, they put it on a, you know, a, a board and it's on a spindle and it's actually glued in place, um, kind of oh. tack, kind of tacked in place to, um, to make sure that this, you know, the screen stays. Um, so a lot of times you'll get the square that's kind of just the, the residue from that, that glue, which you just will watch out. Now, most of the time you will get them back. You will not see that square, but in the past I've gotten them and I, you know, I've called and said, Hey, there's a square, you know, and they said, no, sorry, some of them will, will appear like that, but they'll wash out. So, Oh, interesting. Um, and then, you know, depending on, again, who's doing it, whether you got um, water-based ink or you got Plastisol, you know, the old Plastisol that, you know, the real thick old school ink. Um, yeah. Vinyl feel that they don't use much anymore, but some of those places, some of those quick turnaround places don't do water-based inks. They'll do the Plastisol, which is... A little thicker deal, but I feel like mine was was a uh, um, 
like a blend or like a you know some something it it's not water-based ink like it doesn't feel like flush with the shirt yeah how like our shirts normally feel it's like that you know quality it's kind of in the shirt rather it's not it's not like that so i will not be going back to these people <laughs> well that's what it really it really pays and we've had this conversation before because you were looking for some stuff but like trying to find the, the person that can do like super short run stuff it's like you almost have to find kind of like the guy in the basement that just does it as a hobby right uh, because i don't know like if i go out i'm not like going out on a tour where i i'm gonna have a bunch of uh a bunch of sizes and you know i'm going to be able to sell all this stuff so it's it's just yeah. one of those things where you have to plan like way ahead or maybe do like a pre-sale so you don't have any excess well yeah pre a pre-sale or you what you want to do is you know what you really w would be cool is to do you know print on demand where you know there's a website you know that people can order your 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 design and then they they print one-offs digitally um but oh, yeah. you're you're they're out there i have i, I kind of need to research some too but um that way you don't have to keep inventory and um and then they deal with it they deal with the shipping they deal with the printing um so yeah. but, you, but nice you're, you're, you're a little limited i think as to the designs and things that you can get you know the colors yeah. and all but, but if you're just doing a basic tee it might be something to look into that's a good idea. I, um, yeah, I mean, and, and plus dealing with, uh, you know, I'm sure many of the people that have requested that you are on the podcast have been like, you know, lyric questions and, and all kinds of different songwriting things like creative things. And I just think that this side, the whole side of, of like the business of a band is so is so interesting we'll get into the other stuff too but it's just uh it's a whole other it's just a whole other thing it's a whole other world that like no one understands <laughs> it's just such a it's yeah. a beast it's a beast in itself i was trying to find some notes that i could refer to that um oh here it is yeah i mean you know the kickstarter itself you know when we got we got off our tour a little early, right? In mid-March. Yeah. Um, we, you know, Doug, Terry and I went kind of straight into the studio, like literally got back that, that Saturday and went straight to get to work on, on finishing the, the Blu-ray. Um, mm -hmm. Because, you know, there was, 27 songs that were still being edited and we needed to approve some edits and, and, you know, really work on some sync issues, uh, which we had and, and work on then of course the audio side of the, the recording and just mix that. And so, you know, that, that was a beast, you know? Um, yeah. and then really just even just creating the Kickstarter itself, just creating the, what you were going to do what the products and the merchandise that you were going to have, how you wanted to, how you wanted to kind of bundle things and then how to, you know, the, the language that you use to kind of create all that stuff. I mean, that's just, it's just time in the water. You just got to spend to get it right. Have you guys done a, like a DVD like that before on that scale? Kind of like we did. No, we haven't done any, anything. This is our really, no, that's not true. We did, we did the recording. Um, it, and it was a DVD, not a Blu-ray, uh, um, from, uh, it's called the Cinemascope, which was, um, a, 
recorded it in your ear studios in Richmond. Uh, we, we set up, did a, an acoustic set in front of a small audience there um, at the studio where Terry used to work. So um, they, had, they did like a six camera shoot on that and um, turned out well. Is that the kind of thing that you didn't have like a ton of control over and just kind of came out how it came out or? Um, yeah, well, Rex, Rex, Rex teases the producer, a friend of ours, and he, you know, he, he had broached us on doing it and we were like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So we just followed his lead and showed up and did the show and, and he shot around us and, and cool. han- handled the editing. We didn't, we didn't have you know, really any, any criticisms at all about it, you know, with, yeah. with, with six to eight cameras. I mean, he had plenty of coverage and it was, it was all locked to picture. And so. Do you feel like the beach one was more, uh, you know, it was more of like your, your kind of vision for it. And, uh, do you think it realized what you had pictured or had in mind? <laughs> because I mean, the spit, well, the space is really cool. Yeah. And when you're dealing with such a, uh, you know, with, with the light, you know, the windows in the back and, and you have, you have a window of time to get the shots that you need to get and you either have to get up early or stay up late or whatever. It must be hard to have a limited amount of time and, and try to accomplish what you need to accomplish with five or six other people there. Yeah, we were optimistic uh, going into that and, and probably, you know, naive as well. And, you know, kind of I kind of got by with not having too much of a plan other than let's see how much we can do you know right. which is, and I think you know uh, we just didn't know what to expect really you know you're dealing with so many elements in terms of like I knew this I knew the space would look good you know and you know once we could pull the pull the you know furniture out and make kind of frame it up I knew that would look good I, what I didn't know is how things would sound right you know, not I, I even knew that things would sound good you know once we once we were able to mix it but i wasn't sure what it would be like in the room and which is a, a huge a huge factor with you know putting a rock band into a, a room yeah that small with surrounded by glass yeah well i mean it was it was i remember it being a challenge because you want you want things to sound you know how they do live in, <laughs> but you're trying to do it in that space where you have like you know, a lot of, I mean, I know you're having issues with, with the, uh, the symbols in your, in your microphone and the bleed and into the ears, which is really hard to deal with. And then you have me bashing away, like, I got to do it how I want to, you know? Right. And so, (laughs) right. And so there's, there's kind of competing needs, you know, you like you, you know, it's like, well, uh, from my perspective and you can see me one time on camera where I just put my, I put my, like my forearm up to my <laughs> <Yeah>. ear <laughs> and it's, it's funny. Cause it, it doesn't quite look that bad if you're, if you're, you know, uninitiated, but I'm like, Oh man, my ears are killing me right now. Yeah. Yeah. And there's uh, probably, but there's like a bunch of like <laughs> little, I, I can, I can see like, Oh, Barry's frustrated in this, in yeah. this part of it, but you know, it doesn't come off like that if you weren't there. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. some of that was frustrating, but, but you also learn, to kind of deal with that when you're touring, you know, if, if you have a night that's like that, you, you, you know, you just, you got to deal with it. So, you know, that, that's when your kind of training comes in, so to speak. <laughs> it's like, yeah. uh, be cool. But, but we did have that conversation a couple of times where I was like, you know, Jesse, it would, it would really help <laughs> if yeah. you switch to brushes or dowels. And, yeah. and of course for you, for a drummer, you switching sticks is, means a lot in terms of how you perform. 
and how, how you not only how you perform but like just how it's going to sound like well that's I what would, i mean i wouldn't want to play like the way that miss hollywood like miss hollywood for example an example in that uh blu-ray like sounds awesome it sounds great it's really fun it's really rocking and if i had to play that song on dowels or something like that it would not have this i don't think it would have the same effect and the same energy but the, mm -hmm. you can see you know for the listeners when they're watching the uh the video there's songs where i'm using sticks and then there's songs where i i switch to dowels because either a we wanted to try to make it and sound like we wanted to make it easier on on the ears and and the mix because Doug was having a hard time reining it in and controlling it. So, but yeah. he did, I think he did a great job and everything in post. But absolutely, yeah, absolutely, that was fun. I mean, I but but when you but when you you know and the thing, so again, like really choosing your battles is that you know if you play with dowels, the the sound changes so much for the vocalist that there's all kinds of registers parts of your register that you can now hear whereas right. if you have sticks a lot of that stuff that information that you're trying to put into the microphone doesn't come back to your ear and it's really hard to be it's hard to sing nuanced i kind of you know i i'm well you change your voice you change your voice, change and, then your that, voice. and then that'll make you either hoarse or you're trying you're trying to push harder than you really want to and that's that really, and that's really kind of what really uh, being a vocalist in a rock band is, is really what you're really doing is you're in a way you kind of have to, you have to make your voice a little thinner to push through every, all the sound, mm -hmm. you know, and you don't get the luxuries of kind of being singer songwriter voice, you know, you've got to, you've got to be on top and, right. you know, there's gifted singers that can maybe do that and still have a relaxed you know, their vocal muscles relax, but, uh, you know, sometimes you're just, it's just a, you know, it's just like your, your, your voice is like an arrow and <laughs> you're trying to, you know, just hit the target, you know? Yeah. yeah. Cause you push and then it gets, and then you get to this point where you just, you can only go, you can only do that for so long. And then when you're either a on a, doing a video where you're trying to record 30 songs, um, it just goes away. It goes away. And on a tour, especially like you add in, then you add in the elements, lack of sleep and yeah. Just, audience audiences with, with colds. I mean, you know, yeah. And you just, you know, it, it can really, it can really take a beating on you. And I mean, and I'm not even singing that much and I feel it, but yeah. when, when you're singing every song, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, there's it's hard. The you know, when you're on tour, when you're on tour, there's definitely parts of your, my voice. I can't speak for, you know, like real singers, you know, and how they do it, but I'm, I'm more of a utilitarian kind of singer, but, you know, but when we go on tour, you know, there is a point if, unless you just get really nuked with some kind of virus, uh, there's, there's a point where you, your, your voice just kind of becomes bulletproof. It knows that it knows what it can do. It definitely loses some information and you kind of learn to stay away from some of that information. Mm -hmm. But even, even in the fatigued parts, you, you just get to a point where you can just do it every night, which right. is where you want, where you want to be, you know, after, you know, the first four days, you know, about day four, just, you know, you feeling really rough. And then day six, you start turning the corner and, and then really like, you know, by day 10, you're like, I could do this every night. Right, right for the rest for you know for you know for the rest of my life yeah i could do this forever i, I remember the first time i went on like a tour 
I was just like, I don't know <laughs> after day three or something, like, I don't know if I can, I can yeah. do another day. And then you do it. And like you said, you turn the corner and then you're like, I can, I can yeah. literally, I literally don't ever have to stop this because <laughs> it can just go exactly. on forever. Which is just like any, any, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a contact sport and you train and you train for it and it's like really rough for, you know, until you get, you know, out of that, out of that training, you know, that, that, that orientation zone. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then you're just, you're in tune, you know. Has it always been that way for, for the band, for you guys and like doing, doing long tour? Cause you probably toured for a longer, longer amounts of time when you guys were a younger band, uh, no offense. Yeah. <laughs> None taken. <laughs> um, but like how long would you guys normally be on the road for after like Indian summer, echo, echo, stuff like that? I mean, there were, a f there were definitely a few, I mean, there's always bands that have toured more, but I, I would say, you know, we did like, I, I want to say we did like an eight to 12 week tour once. Um, that was probably during the, Indian summer era, um, or maybe the year after that, you know, it's kind of when you started, when you started to have to like change your model because right. everyone had obligations at, at home. You couldn't just get away with that, you know? Yeah. Where did everyone start having kids? Yeah. Um, well, 10 years ago. So, yeah. you know, 2009, uh, was when things started happening, but you know, uh, Carter, Terry got married a couple years before that. And, uh, being gone that much all of a sudden meant something different. Right. Uh, and, and so I, you know, I remember some of those early conversations. It's like, Hey, what if we broke, what if we broke things up a little differently than just go out and be gone for two months, three months. Right. So, yeah. Cause I mean, it just becomes impossible, you know, at, at, at one point, like, is, uh, you just can't operate that. And especially if you want to stay together as a band, then you have to figure something out. Yeah. You know, I think it's cool. I think it's cool the way that we do it. It's kind of like forestry management, you know, don't cut all the trees down at once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Look, cut these down, let these others mature while these are plant these other ones. <laughs> and we'll chop them down later. And the fact is, you know, the fact is it's a waste. It, it was, it's a waste of time. You know, you could really trim out so many gigs that don't matter. You don't need to be right. out there. So right. just being smarter with what you do. Yeah. Well, I've also been, um, like I played when I was playing a lot with Dan Mills. Well, I never really played a lot with Dan Mills because he always took the approach. It was like the extreme in the other direction where you wouldn't do anything until something viable came along and then you just do that. But everyone also had like other things going on. It, you can't really compare that with, with a band like Carbon Leaf, who it's like full time, go, go, go. Um, but I think a lot of bands can be a little too cautious. And I think that what we do as far as like going out West, like not a lot of bands, can, I'm, I'm jumping all around, but a lot of, not a lot of bands can go out West and have a successful situation. But you also have the in-between shows for like your show, you know, I won't name any cities or anything, but not every city is Seattle. Not every city is, you know, uh, whatever name, name the big, you know, Chicago, whatever. There's a lot of in-between 
mm-hmm. and not a lot of bands can can survive by going out for like a month and playing those in between cities as your whole as your whole situation you know yeah the secondary markets right exactly yeah that's a nice way to put it <laughs> well it's yeah it's just not the major cities uh in there so so again it's it's it i don't know i don't know how you i don't know how new bands would do it now that don't kind of already like jump out of the buzz bin you know right and have and have some kind of gas behind them because radio was was like was the big thing that helped helped us right well i always uh, feel weird saying us but i always say you no, guys because that's what you did you guys no did i think that. i think is i think as soon as you're a part of something it's it's an us conversation yeah you know yeah, despite I, despite the timeline all right well with your permission um, i'm going to say us for even yeah one well yeah because because you know because it's the it's the people it's the you know it's the it's the people that make up carbon leaf and you know carbon leaf has been around for 27 years so you know it's almost to me it's a more of a holistic kind of way of saying you know right these these are the players <laughs> that have that have made this thing you know continue so so we you know the radio markets um i mean they they definitely came along uh, they came along at the right time because we'd already been 10 years in right we just released echo echo and i was like man i don't know I don't know if this is going to be very exciting to make, you know, our whatever the next one is. We, you know, we've kind of done, we've done our kind of local circuit. We've done five records. What's, is this just more the same, you know? So you were feeling a, uh, like a little bit of a crossroads or, or at a little bit of a, an impasse there where yeah. you didn't really know what the next thing was going to be or how you, how you break out of whatever scene you're in. Yeah, we didn't, you know, we were, we were fully, we were fully independent and, you know, early and early on, you couldn't, you, we couldn't buy help, you know, we were doing everything kind of like we are now, you know, um, yeah. you know, more, some more by choice now, but, uh, starting out, you just had to do everything yourself. And, um, and so there were some limitations with that in terms of the booking and, um, our ability to tour, you know, outside of too, too far radius. So it was kind of like some local club gigs, some Virginia college camp, you know, college town, the clubs, you know, Mm. campus gigs, you know, okay money and all, and kept us busy, but it's hard to grab, grab like big audiences in, in different places like that, because you're mostly playing to passive listeners at that point. Well, you know, I would say in hindsight, though, like aside from the radio, like I look back and I go, that was actually a a pretty, pretty valid kind of old school way of building an audience. And and we actually, you know, is it just those kind of young contemporaries, you know, the the people, your friends and, the, and the, you know, the people that were just like you just out of college, they saw you in college or they saw you at the, you know, the college bars when everybody went out to bars and, um, and band, you know, hiring bands was, was a healthy business, you know, and it wasn't just like hiring DJs or whatever. Right. Um, so there was actually 10 years of, of foundation that we, you know, we still see those people on, on tour, you know, um, right. but, and the fact that we got, you know, looped into this, some of the, some of the radio play, I think helped, um, keep those, those early people, you know, it's like, Hey, our band is, you know, quote, making it. Right. 
Um, I remember Carter describing it to me at one point when we were talking about radio stuff. Like he said, like, yeah, just one day people start showing up. <laughs> like we would go to play a city and there were a bunch of people there. Well, yeah. that's, that's, that's actually, that was uh, kind of accurate in a, in a lot of ways um, for a lot of, yeah, a lot of those cities, you, because, you know, the radio station was playing your song, but you weren't, you weren't, there you didn't hear it going to work you know right you you weren't in indianapolis and it was on you know in the drive time you know uh, uh you know playlist so we did we would show up and there were you know maybe we've been there once before maybe we had never been there once before and there'd be 400 500 people there it was awesome you know you're like yeah well. that's incredible <laughs> uh so but you know you you'll 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 eventually lose some of that when radio goes away but uh yeah but the fact the fact that that does happen like that next step where you show up somewhere where you played a bar and there was like 25 people there and then the next time you show up there's 400 i mean that's got to be yeah. rocket rocket fuel for a band to to keep going yeah it is and, and that's kind of the way it was supposed to you know, that's the way it used to be you know right yeah. you tour in the 70s or 80s or whatever and you could be a band mm -hmm. that would get some press you know some ink right in a magazine or in the paper and that's that's that was your that was fan that was music fans resource you know right and so so if there was buzz buzz like that then th those audiences would would swell you know on re on re repeated returns you know mm -hmm. that, that doesn't happen now you know no because there's nobody there's no one I'm, i won't say no one but people aren't normally going out and seeking out no. new music there are people that do it but the way the way that the the new business model has worked is like you either pay to get on a stream that is that is laid out in front of people that will hear it and see it in front of their face it's not like that person isn't going out to find it you have to go out and find them or or the area in which the most people are have their eyeballs set yeah so it's like it's completely turned around um which well, is why it makes it so hard for for new bands now to get out there because you have to have a song that's going to get on a, either a playlist or you have to have some i don't know be a part of of uh, a fad or or you know be on tiktok or, or whatnot but yeah. i don't know i don't know how there's, it works there's a lot more there you know there's a lot more options for people's entertainment dollar there's yeah. or you know or just more distractions you know if you think or even even just even just the palette of music has has expanded so much and you know kind of you know different styles appeal to different people you know whereas before it was like oh you went to you went to a club and you saw a band yeah you know that's that's kind of almost like a rarity now it seems like you know that's like such an old feels like a, such kind of an old school model you know? yeah it feels pretty old like old timey like oh i'm going out you to know? see a concert today and, i want to go see right, a show. right and, and also you know people you know it's like that's you would clubs were kind of places where you, like you said, where you went and you checked things out and discovered things where, you know, now, you know, now if you had, you know, a choice between, you know, going to this club and seeing this band, checking out a band or, you know, going to the, um, the, the, the new brewery in town. Mm. Right. Yeah. Or staying home and watching whatever the new bingeable show is. Or, exactly um but even just like you know 
the the more the I would say that the you know if there was a, a social watering hole, you know, like the the brew pub thing has become such a big thing that you know where they oh, have yeah. the, the taco trucks outside, and you know they might have a guy in an acoustic you know playing in the on the corner or whatever. But yeah, like people want to people want to be social. Like it's not an right. anti-social thing. They want to be social, but they also want to have options within their social environment. So sure. I think you're right. Like there's that place in Portland. Uh, Portland, Oregon, where there's like food trucks in one spot and then there's like, a, it's a courtyard and you can come over here and do this thing and then you can go over there and do this thing. Yep. So it's like, it's feeding the the short term, the short attention span that people mm-hmm. have. They need options. They, they want to be social, but they need their yeah. attention to be grabbed. Yeah. And, and with, the, with, with the clubs, you know, it's like you're going to the club to see your band and you, right. you know, it's a, des- it's a destination place. It's kind of an experience that you want. Right. Right. So you pay money, you go to this one building, you, you become part of the live connection. Right. So, you know, that's a little more curated. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Do you ever think about what the, um, uh, what the, ex- the carbon leaf experience is from the fans perspective, like how you want them to experience the band, not in just a live setting, but in an all around, like, how do you want the band to be discovered? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good question. And, and it's like, to really answer that, you have to, I think you have to diligently show up to that question and think about it. And, okay. and a lot of times it's, it's easy to lose perspective of that. Mm-hmm. And it's such an important question because when you think about your experience with your favorite bands and like how they make you feel and you're like, yep. oh, I wish I had that thing that this you know, yeah. my favorite thing had, and so, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, I think, I think we can become so busy and distracted with, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like the business side of things that before you know it, you look back and you're like, you know, I should have, I should have worked on this part or that part, you know, of the fan experience, maybe a little bit harder, but I think we, you know, I, I'm hard on myself, but so, and I don't, I don't have a real healthy outside perspective of how a fan would view us. I feel like we work pretty hard at, at trying to create, you know, a, a cool live atmosphere. Yeah, um, totally. You know, but our, you know, our music's kind of all over the place. Our audience is super diversified. It's not like we're like selling the, like this, this just one very specific vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. What do you, I think, do you, do you I, have a perspective? I mean, you're, you've been with the, you know, been in the trenches for three years now or yeah. more. Um, I think that people see, I think that people see Carbon Leaf as a band that, um, that not only has, has a big body of work and a big body of experience, and that's going to come and, and put on a good show no matter what, even if, even on their worst day. Um, but I don't think, I, I think that they expect uh, new things. And I think they're always happy when we play a new song or we throw something in that isn't normally going to be there. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure what, what the online experience is, but I know that like, I know that they appreciate, or I feel that they appreciate the new, whether it's like a new t-shirt design or, or, uh, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. what, whatever it, it is on the business side, like interesting things like the Crowfoot and Key Society and, mm-hmm. and, uh, they, they like, people like 
the new thing or they like to be um, included in whatever whatever new thing is going to go forward. And I think the fact that we are always focused on what is going to be next, like what's the next thing we can do, like doing a uh, Blu-ray, Cottage Songs by the Sea, like is really cool. It's a new thing that you haven't done before. Mm -hmm. New music, new music next year. It's like going forward and, um, and I think creative quest, like creatively plays a big role in that. You can't just like say, all right, we're thinking some new thing, but whatever music direction that it goes, I think will play a big, uh, factor in how people turn out and, and tune in to, and, and the perspective that, that they have towards the band. But, um, I think that are where we're at and like the things that we do to try to control that and mm. keep ourselves happy as well as to keep them happy. I, th- I think we're doing, I think it's cool. I think it's like one of the, one of the better bands out there, you know? Yeah. You know, um, sometimes, you know, one of the band members will come to me and be like, Hey, you know, the set list, you know, for tonight, and don't you feel like we're kind of like doing a lot of the same things over again? I'm like, well, no, not in, not in this town based on the history that we've been through, you know, cause we'll switch yeah. up the list, you know, try to switch up the list. You know, there's obviously core songs. Um, but you know, each time through you, you make sure it's not like the last time through and, um, right. and, 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 but also not just play, be like, Hey, we're going to play every song off the new album that you haven't, you know, gotten, you know, that you haven't built a memory, you know, with yet. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like you pick a couple and like, all right, we're going to, test the waters here and see if see if a bunch of people use the bathroom during this (laughs) (laughs) i mean the last the last few years have been so intense kind of like where we've had to take a step back and do some rebuilding in some spots and you know you're a perfect example you know where we we had to you know we had you know 2016 we took time off you know and and then and then 2017 found us looking for, you know, a new, new drummer. And that was a year long process. And then, and then you joined and then bringing you on board, you know, bringing, bringing someone on board and like really having a new conversation about all of our songs with the new person is, is really important. Mm-hmm. And we, and we did that hard work, you know, and you, you, well, you did the hard work of, you know, showing up and kind of trying to, you know, navigate all of that material and and so you know some of those things have taken taken away from just writing and recording you know and i know that 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 kind of frustrates all of us a little bit and uh i'm looking forward to you know back back in 2010 when we kind of left the label and went independent again we made kind of a pledge to the fans that we were going to release a new project every eight months and we did that for like five or six releases, you know, and it it was super intense and it was, it was good for us. You know, again, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the, 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 you know, analogy of like getting up and touring and, you know, getting your touring muscles together and just, it made you just like, it made you like a journalist, you know, it's like, right. You you show up and the, you know, the editor says, here's the story, go, go follow it. And you go and, you know, the deadlines tonight, you know, and you run out there and you find the story and you (laughs) hit the beat, you produce the story for the next print. You know, it felt good. Uh, We hit a, we hit a bit of a wall, you know, in 2013 when we released, you know, the two albums back to back. And, uh, which albums were those? That was Constellation Prize and, and Ghost Dragon Attacks Castle. Right. Okay. 
And that's when we decided to do the three record, three re-records. Um, so I'm looking forward to, you know, still create kind of new experiences and new, new ideas, but, you know, um, pursue those for sure, but also get back to a more intense writing and, and kind of recording yeah. a balance so that you don't find yourself going, you know, a year without something new. Yeah. And I also, and like looking at, <clears throat> looking at what we plan on doing, like, you know, having a new full length album next year, um, and, and that project, I see, I see it as an opportunity to kind of re-energize the fan base because, mm-hmm. um, you know, the big, the bigger albums like Indian summer and echo echo, you know, arguably like the, the albums that made the push, like the yeah. big push. And, um, I think that taking, you know, me as a drummer coming in and learning all the old material, um, and trying to bring something new to it, uh, while also keeping, keeping it carbon leaf and not like making the fans say like, what the hell is this dude doing? Um, you know, that's a challenge. And then also I feel like doing the new album, if, if, you know, depending on what it is, it could, it could kind of launch forward a new energy and a new, like, you know, a, a whole new thing because I, I compare like I was a big, really big three eleven fan. And, um, when they, when they came out with like the blue album that had all their really popular songs. And then, you know, they had a couple albums after that, that were like, you know, slowly, okay, they're not really doing what they used to do. And then as they kept going, it was like a couple albums later that they were like, oh, the fan base is this whole new thing. And now we are re-energizing with the whole new set of music. And you you don't forget about those old great songs and those yeah. old great albums, yeah. but you move forward with that same kind of like lift, that same kind of energy with new stuff. And I think that this next project has the potential to uh, to do that without putting that kind of pressure on it. But I think, I think it definitely has that potential. Well, there's, there's opportunity, you know, with, with every song, with every album, there's like, a, there's just an unforeseen opportunity right, you know, right. to, to take the band in some kind of direction. And, you know, I would say that's a lament of mine, you know, these last you know five years where we've, you know, just had other things to deal with. Uh, yeah other than just you know releasing new material so i am excited for that too and and for the band you know it's 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 a nece- it's a necessity to be able to kind of get into a a new space and even just having a few new songs can just energize your whole your whole night and your whole outlook on your group um yeah so i don't think anyone's ever going to complain about a set list or a load in or a load out for a long time <laughs> after, after <laughs> not <laughs> after not being able to play for so long but yeah um do you ever do you ever i don't know fe- i don't know if that's true but i think people i, know. Will, I think plenty will, will complain as soon as we get <laughs> second day back like fuck yeah, why we have yeah. so much stuff um, so much so much stuff but uh do you ever feel like there's like a shortage of things to write about like getting into the the creative kind of side of things how you take demos and music that the band kind of comes up with and then turn them into melodies and different sections and stuff like do you ever 
it almost seems like you're a bottomless pit of, of oh. like stuff to that you come up with. You know, I, I just, Thanks. I never, I never understand it coming from someone that tries to write and tries to write well. Um, I believe that's, I believe that's tries to write good, but go ahead. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) I don't know. It just, it just seems like you can kind of come up with a, I'm I'm probably just, you know, oversimplifying it, but, um, you know, you can come up with a different idea, do some research Mm -hmm. and and find, find the words to, uh, describe it in a descriptive way. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, honestly, I, I, I don't, I mean, there's, there's this whole, there's this whole other guy that that comes out when we yeah. need more songs and then I, and then I s- steal the notebooks. No. no, I mean, the ideas are there to keep me busy for a long time, put it that way. Okay. Uh, and you know, I might not have like, th- there's some demos that I'm like, I love this. And then I'll be like, but I don't have an idea for it yet. Gotcha. Yeah. Pal- Paloma was like that for year years. I had this, that, you know, baseline on, on a demo and I was like, I love this. I don't know what it, <laughs> I don't have it's, a story. Something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, and then one, all of a sudden, you know, there, there's the story and, and then there's other, there's other songs that I have and I have the idea, but for some reason I can't make it work narratively or the, mel- or the melody. Um, uh, so, so I'm, there's always, there's always stuff that I, I would, I would be able to, if, if all I had to do is sit and write, on songs. Um, I mean, I could, I could just, I could do that for years for sure. You know, really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not normal. A lot of it's, a lot of it's, (laughs) well, a lot of, you know, the more, well, the more you write, it's like the more ideas you get and then they just start splintering off into places. And, you know, you might have an idea that, you know, you realize makes two songs, you know, and it's just like, it's, it's kind of like a fun kind of game, you know? Um, Hmm. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, as you're writing things, just things just will, they'll just instinctively come at you and you'll know, you'll know whether to throw them away or to hold on to it or not. And Hmm. that's when it gets really fun. You know, when you've got 15, 20 songs kind of that you're working on and, you know, those, 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 you're working on those parts and you just learn, you learn not to get stuck on something and really the power of writing is just is getting away from it at the right time but showing yeah. up every but showing up every day because then then your your brain subconsciously knows it's time to work and you don't wait for a muse you don't wait to be creative you you book you book creativity and then you know at, le- at the very end of the day at least you know that you showed up mm-hmm. right and maybe you didn't come up with anything, but at least you didn't say, well, I'm not really feeling it today. Right. Because then you know what you have. Um, nothing. And then I think a lot of people don't, uh, don't understand that. Like musicians and songwriters that are trying to... I'm so guilty of starting an idea and being like, oh, that was nice. And then, mm-hmm. and then that idea gets locked in a drawer somewhere. And then I never come back to it. I never finish it. I... I, I people have a difficult, difficult time saying like, Oh, I'm just not inspired. Um, Mm -hmm. but then they're not waking up and writing and trying to think of anything or, or doing some free writing to try to get the brain moving or going. And because that's a lot of hard work. It is hard work. And it's, and it's not instantly gratifying, you know, and it's it's very time consuming. It's time consuming and it's probably going to be bad. And those are all, those are all, those all have negative 
associate, we associate all those things negatively with like waste of time or it's going to be bad. You know, they're all fear. They're all creative fears. You know, it's like, right. uh, at least I know that if I don't go down that path, I won't be disappointed with what I turn out, you know? Do you ever feel like you had a time where you were worried about what, like how the weir- the lyrics would be heard or uh, felt self-conscious about, I know, you know, it's pretty much goes hand in hand with, with artists and writers, like just uh, being self-conscious and, and um, yeah. Was that a hurdle that you've gotten over or that you continue to work on getting over or, or it's just not really an issue. You just believe in your, your work and your lyrics and stuff. Yeah. Well, you get, you get better at knowing, you get better at knowing what works and what doesn't, you know, okay. and there's early songs where I'll listen to, you know, I have a playlist where if I need to sing a little bit, you know, if I need to just limber up or sing or whatever, I'll, you know, I'll have a carbonic playlist and sometimes the old songs will pop up and I'll be like, ah, why did you, you know, did you, sometimes I, you know, I remember thinking younger, I was like, ah, well, you know, this, this one line doesn't work that great, but yeah, it's okay. Whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a little throwaway lyric yeah. or that rhymed and, and just, you needed a place to fill. Right. And you know, that's, that's late. That's kind of lazy. That's not real professional. Right. 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 Um, and, um, and now, you know, now I'm, you don't want to, you don't want to like overdo it. Right. You don't want to. And I guess, I guess that's kind of like what I was getting at my original point. Like there's really no, there's no fat to your, to your oh, lyrical writing. Nice. Like it, fe- it, it feels like it's, it's just, it's very well, you know that it was well thought out. So it's hard to question it when you hear it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, st- structure is important in trying to, you know, I, I like this, the challenge of a song where you, you have to kind of, you have to tell your story in a limited space. Mm. And so each line does matter or the choices of your words do matter. And, and that's when you get into the fun of being able to kind of imply several things at once, you know, or if, if there's, okay. There's two different there's or maybe there's two different ways to read a line or or the song itself. You know that's that's when it, to me like when I start loving the song and and I know that I'm on the right path if uh, if I if I can kind of you know do do a few th- things at once where right right you're telling a story but maybe you're also providing some kind of some kind of correlation to you know what's going on in the world now without being an overtly, you know, ripped from the headlines political song or, you know, I mean, that, that kind of doesn't interest me very much, but if, if I can kind of find some kind of other back door, then, then that, that makes me happy. So, so I, you know, when I, I have to really like, just love the, love the song and, um, and then know, and then, and then kind of know whether it works or not. And, and sometimes you love a song and you, but, but you kind of know in the back of your head, it's, it's just not quite working and that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're like, I'm just, I'm just doing it because I know I have to do it or do something, but then it's mm. when it comes to the point where you have to let it go and then, and then work on something else. Like that's, that's a hard, that's a hard thing to do because you're like, oh, there's this potential. I feel like in my, in my experience, it's like, oh, there's this potential thing there, but I just can't find it. And I'm frustrated that I can't and, and I'll just, you just drop the ball or I just drop the ball. So it's like, that is also a hard thing to deal with. But then, 
the idea of showing up and doing it every day and working right. that muscle is is kind of what counteracts those things because you have so much work flow going in you you don't worry so much about leaving some things by the wayside because you have other things to show for it right and that's where you build your confidence and you don't look at songs as intimidating you know right. or, the, or the thing that you're working on you're not you're kind of you know you get you get weirded out by it or afraid of it and you know, that's you a good gotta, way to put that because i i definitely put songs that i'm working on like up on a pedestal yeah um and they shouldn't be because they're not that good but yeah. but it's like you know you put them up there because you don't want the you don't want to fuck it up you yeah. don't want to fuck it up and and the fear of that i think is is very uh is very uh, limiting for, for, for me the um you know the the basic thing about you know f pursuing that like kind of what you were saying about like just where there's no fat you know it really stems from you know the idea like boom you have an idea that you're kind of on this lightning in a bottle in moment right and right. you sit there and you you and you write and you're not censoring yourself you're not worried about the melody or the how it's going to go or if you have 10 pages too much and you only need one page like you 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 ride that lightning for as long as you can and that might be in one sitting it might be over a course of several weeks you might like be able to just open up where you were yesterday and be like pick pick right back up you're like i more lightning more lightning more lightning right yeah and, and then and then all of a sudden it, it'll kind of that that'll go that'll stop right and then you're like all right let's see what we got and then you start circling the things that can can you, that you feel like should be there and in the magic and understanding the difference between the stuff that you've from your lightning session that you that that are going to resonate and hold true which is super important to me. Like, is this, does this feel authentic? Like I, I don't have to necessarily experience this person in the song, but does it feel authentic? And, and then you grab all that stuff and you kind of, the husk kind of just goes away. And that hat, that becomes clearer in the revision process where you put the stuff away and you, and then you let it get cold a bit. Cause you can come back to some of that stuff that you fell in love with when you were writing it. Mm -hmm. But you, but then you go, well, that I know that's not going to work. Get, right. get rid of it. Get rid of it. I, I loved it last week. Get rid of it. Or or maybe I'll put this in some other pot, you know, and, and maybe right. that can be part of some other song and becomes very, then you're kind of moving blocks around, you know, then you're kind of just. Yeah. How you compartmentalize those, those blocks? Are they, is it like notebooks or is it just like voice memos or, or. You know, it's how do you man. Keep, how do you keep that organized? So, 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 starting out like in in our in my twenties, it was all like scraps of paper. Um, okay. I didn't write in. I didn't write in a computer. It was all. It was all made notebooks or literally like um, kind of like what you were saying about you'd have an idea, but then like not commit to writing it down or or you you write it down, you put it in a drawer. I had a jar on my on my on my dresser, and uh, throughout the day, I would I would. If I was having a lot of ideas, you know, it was like I, when we were writing like Shadows in the Banquet Hall, which is like super like lyrically, poetically kind of like just rich with like stuff. Right. Very visual album. And I was any anything that would come to mind, I would just I would rip a piece of paper off of anything nearby, jot it down, and then I would stuff it in this jar. And I had this, you know, this huge jar of, of just scraps of paper. And interesting. And from that, I kind of started building, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the the songs for that album, and just yeah. and then just kind of expanding from 
all these little you know pieces of ideas that were cool or interesting and then uh you know there are times where i would free write for a song and you just you write you know 10 literally you know 10 20 pages whatever and then you just go back and you see what strikes you and it's yeah. easy to, it's easier to kind of do it that way um, do you ever um so if you're not right if you even if you are writing well i guess free writing you're not really thinking about the melody or the the meter or what's what's gonna happen in the song maybe mm-hmm. at that particular point in time but if you if you are sitting down and trying to capture that lightning in a bottle um are you thinking about the the demo that it might go with or the meter or how you are okay so you're not worried about or you are thinking about how this you know this lyric or this phrase might you know blend into the next one or whatever yeah and 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 the thing that you'd get better at is is like early on like i you know i didn't i didn't have a whole lot of respect for like being the music in the song so i would overwrite i would over lyricize interesting there wouldn't be any holes for the music you know where you know i've learned to do that where it's like the music's you know the music's the thing mm-hmm. you're, act- you're actually supposed to support the music not the other way around you know yeah and so um well they're supposed to support each other yeah you're just right you're supposed to think so um I would, I would very often write, I would make loops back when we were doing demo tape, when we had tapes, you know, I'd, I'd make loops of, of the song Okay. and I, and I would, I would just put it on, I'd put it on low and I just like, I just free write kind of in a trance, not, not any kind of melody to the song, just free writing against the backdrop of the song. Um, and, and that's kind of a, a good way to have the song, um, informing, where you're going lyrically now along those same lines like thinking of lyrics and and i'm just kind of like thinking of a couple examples of songs but um like the part in um you know honey understand honey understand like how did that like rhythm come with that that line i'm always i'm always intrigued by how particular lines and lyrics will rhythm rhythmically match up or how it will like go into like an interesting part and how like the lyric and the meaning will all line up really well and i'm sure it takes a lot of time and energy and it does but like that just that particular example Mm -hmm. was that like a part that the band had come up with and then you just Mm -hmm. added that lyric to it or um you know vice versa or you know well those parts are always it always really interest interests me where the lyric matches with the different part and and how those things are built. Yeah, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure, and that song came together quickly in the studio while we were recording um, Indian Summer, kind of late in the game. That was like a last minute entry, and mm-hmm. and I remember. I remember it writing talking about life lesson order life you know, life less ordinary that. The the writing you know we we were like this is this is a this is a hit let's let's work on this and we I remember writing you felt you felt like that as you were writing it like it felt like a hit yeah absolutely the the basis at the time Jordan was just on his upright and we were just like I I want to say we were getting ready to like work on some other song recording record something and he just started playing the riff and we were yeah, like it's, a, it's such a great riff such a great riff and we were just like okay you know, <laughs> this is a thing. Um, 
and we at least got that verse and chorus uh, laid down. And I mean, I, I wrote the lyrics, you know, in the next, the next night or the next two days, kind of, it was done. Wow. Um, that was one of the songs that just kind of wrote itself. And yeah. one of those, one of those things where you're talking about where you're, where I try to, instead of just writing lyrics and then making them fit into a melody where the melody where you kind of hit, you kind of come up with a melody and then it starts informing kind of how, it what dictated you the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the, the, the bridge, you know, and it's funny, we talk about bridges because so many songs now don't have bridges, you know, they right. I want to say we came up with the, the the bridge, you know, later on, but again, it was like, that was such a powerful idea to, um, music musically, um, right. With a da 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 da, you know, it follows the drum part, follows the you know the power chords or whatever what he's playing there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just it just adding in you know, honey, understand, making it percussive and powerful because the bridge is supposed to be powerful. It's supposed to lift you up and it's supposed to have you know a little bit of gravitas to it. So it seemed like a a, a kind of great way to be a, like be aggressive with the music, mm-hmm. but also but also kind of con. Um, kind of um uh, kind of contradict that not contradict it what's the word i'm looking for um maybe maybe juxtapose with that with like the fact that you're saying honey you know you're you're calling someone kind of like a you know a pet name and it's gotcha there's this there's this toughness but it's also like kind of tender at the same time you know yeah you're calling them honey but it's also aggressive you're aggressively calling them honey <laughs> right yeah. because that's what the, this is the point in the song where the stakes are you know the whole song's about this you know this guy in, in making a plea right yeah he's kind of qualifying right it's a, it's a whole song about persuasion you know what i mean right like he, yeah like he's messed up he's kind of lost he's trying he's he's like doing what he can to like course correct right and then this big power, this power, you know, bridge comes in and, and, and the stakes are kind of higher. And so it's, it's, it's supposed to be match that intensity. So, and it's fun. It's fun. It's, that's a fun part of the song, you know, still like to like get to, you know what I mean? Cause it does kind of change directions a little bit. Right. And it is always, it is always interesting that, um, you know, the, how the song lyrics and the music and everything just kind of comes together and, and a song like that's like a plea like that. You wouldn't expect it to be this kind of happy-go-lucky, you know, doom, ba doom, ba doom, ba doom, you know. Yeah. But it works for right. you know. There's there's all kinds of ways that you know, chords and lyrics can blend in and make you feel a certain thing, mm-hmm. and and it's fun. It's fun when the lyrics and the music are saying completely opposite things. And this song isn't necessarily doing that, but it is a little bit in some, in some spots. Yeah. Um, well, and, but, and hopefully, hopefully the, again, getting, getting back to what makes a song successful and, and yeah, what's the secret, Barry Privet? What's the secret? <laughs> well, people have to relate to it. You know, they can right. see themselves in it. That it resonates and, you know, life less ordinary on, on one level is like, Oh, you know, it's almost like a seize the day song. It's like, oh, you know, let's let's live a life less ordinary. Let's, you know, you know, it's kind of like you with your best self, right? Yeah. It's like, and that's and that's very that's very appealing to all of us. You know, it's like it's we've the all whole, had that feeling. Yeah, it's like you, you every day. You're like, you know, I 
I have this, it's, it's, it's advertising. It's everywhere. It's like, you know, you, you see your ideal self and things. That's what makes right. you want to like buy things or have a lifestyle that, you know, has this certain ephemeral, you know, quality that, that you aspire to, right. It's aspirational kind of lyrics, but, but, you know, the song itself, I mean, is, is really kind of about someone that doesn't, quite get what he wants at the end you know you know by the way i do know why you stayed away i'll keep i'll keep tongue tied next time as if you know if there's another mm. chance i won't screw it up again yeah right. i won't i won't do so, too much or so yeah so you know you know and who can't relate to that right it's like oh i should you know if i just if i just did this uh next time and those are the best songs the ones that don't really that don't belong to you anymore after you've released them you yeah. know, they take on they take on a life of its own for each listener, and that's the privilege. That's the privilege of having success with writing a song that's successful. It's like, oh, thank goodness someone sees this, right? You know, so thank goodness someone like resonates with this because now my job's easy. All I have to right. do is get up and like perform it. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't yeah. have to like. You don't have to like convince somebody that's like it. It's good or it's it's helpful to them. Whatever. Yeah, you know, you know that it's it's going to. Uh, that's like that's like such a good feeling, right? When we're on stage and we're like, you almost feel like certain songs. You're like, okay, I get to take a break now because yeah. because that you know people take over. Yeah, it's like the songs that you're just fishing with dynamite. You know, you you try things out or you try something new and you're not sure how it's going to land and then yeah. you play you play Life Was Ordinary. You play What About Everything and right. and it's like, okay, we're back. <laughs> you know. Right. Um we used to say like early on it was like you know, when we did when we well when we first started we did a lot of all covers, but then when we phased them out and then we would occasionally put a cover in, we were like, Well, mm. you know, the cover, you know, the occasional cover song is kind of a nice commercial break for people from our original music. Right. And our, our original music early on was very challenging, you know, just you know, it's just kind of hit and miss stuff, right? But we'd right. play it, we'd play it whether it resonated or not. And then you'd play this commercial break, this cover song where people could like all come on board again. Mm -hmm. so, so, you know, the, the hope is that you have, you, you know, after over time you develop your own repertoire of songs that are kind of like those unifiers again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those, those songs that will, that will navigate an audience through yeah. a show or whatever. without, without, without feeling like you've got to pander to the audience, you know, do you ever feel like that? Like you have to, do you ever want to take, like not play one of those songs or, or not, uh, not in a long time. We got to the point years and years ago where we had that conversation. It's like, you know, do we really want to be this, 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 you know, group that feels obligated, even though it's not, even though, you know, who we are and what we're doing becomes something else yeah. or, you know, and we, and the answer was no, we, if it doesn't make us happy, um, then that matters. Right. Yeah, but I never feel like like a band that I'm going to go watch. Like I I think I would be upset if I didn't hear a you know I'm going to use 311 as an example again. If I if they didn't play down the song down, I would be <clears> bummed. <throat> or if they didn't play Beautiful Disaster, I'd be bummed. Like yeah. I don't know, I don't know that not playing those songs is like a great artistic statement and it's probably not meant to be that but it ends up 
people end up walking away a little bit, a little bit slighted or disappointed because they're, you know, people spend their money, they go out, they want to, they want to have a good time and they want to hear the songs that they know Carbon Leaf for or whatever. So in my, in my view, I'm always very happy to play all those things every, every time. So. Yeah, and I'm t- I'm talking about more more of the stuff that was like not our material or or oh I see I see was, what you mean. was supposed to kind of just sell a certain version of us that we maybe we, maybe we outgrew. Um, so you know e- even the, the the most you know I would say the closest example to that that's still in our repertoire would be like you know a song like Mary Mac where it was just kind of this mm. this kind of tossed off kind of fun little thing, and it has its time and place and right. it's fun to do that. But if you are forcing yourself to do it every night because there's an expectation that if you don't do it, people are going to walk away ticked off, then, you know, why, you know, why are you out there really? You know, are you, are you afraid that you're not going to be liked? Um, Mm, You know, those, those are, those are things that hit you if you're playing, you know, stuff. It's funny. It's funny because that song has been on the set list and not played so many times. (laughs) (laughs) It's like just be just be prepared because it might happen. But and 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 it's and it's also not been on the set list and has gotten and has been played exactly yeah and has been played and that's that's the whole that's the whole point. It's like you know the spirit's got to be there. You want to be authentic. You want to really be enjoying yourself. Um and not just you know putting on you know a vegas show uh so yeah do you have any uh do you have any opinion on like you know you deal with you deal with jordan our booking agent all the time and and dealing with venues and you've been uh dealing with the covid situation pretty much everyone's punting the ball um down the field as as we time keeps continuing to go on and and the year kind of comes to a close but um do you what is like your sense with the clubs and how how they will react when we eventually come out of this or if it's going to be uh continue to be like a band's got to figure it out on their own because they're not getting any help right now you know what i mean yeah uh, you know, everybody's kind of out, you know, everyone's got a, everyone's focusing on themselves right now and, and on up, on up the chain. I mean, you know, Live Nation just sent out of emails, you know, with all these, you know, crazy, not artist friendly, you know, new, new terms when they come back, yeah. you know. I talked um, about, I talked about that, uh, the article <clears throat> that they released uh, on, on my last uh, show with Rob Griffith and um, from Bronze Radio Return, and, and I read that thing. I was like, "Are these guys fucking crazy?" Like, <laughs> it's like it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, you know, so to really answer your question, I mean, some venues are going to have to close, right? Uh, some are going to pivot and find a new model, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how others would survive otherwise. Really, I really don't. It's like if they if they don't pivot, you know, unless they're just a venue that can afford to stay closed because right. of whatever the investors they have. I just don't know. Yeah, like I'm I'm thinking of like, you know, if you go and play one of the smaller venues that maybe was having a tough time even before any of this was happening like they were they were going week to week and hopefully they had a good show in town and everyone was going to make money that night or whatever 
And um, that's just not, but that's not going to happen anymore. You know? Yeah. But you know what? That's, it's the, that's the way it happens anyway, all the time, you know, yeah. places open, they close. I mean, yeah. Like I think that if, if, a, if a venue and, and, or more importantly, just a place of business operates that way, it's not gonna, you know, maybe it wasn't the greatest place to play, or maybe it was one of those stopping off points or something. Maybe, maybe this is just the natural way that these places go away and the, and the better ones kind of rise to the top and, and then they get the business, they figure it out for later on. It's yeah. kind of, it feels like a harsh thing to say, but it's a harsh reality, you know, it's okay if somebody talks in the back. So. <laughs> yeah. Scarlet came in. Oh, how's your <laughs> hey, thumb? Hold on how's a sec. It? What's up? Oh, okay. Well, uh, yes. She wants to say hi. Yeah. Oh, Jesse. Jesse. What's up, Scarlett? What's up? Hi. Hi. I feel like you're always, you always have a cast. You always break something. Uh -huh, it's purple. <laughs> purple. I, I know. I figured it was either going to be pink or purple, and I, and I can't wait to sign it when I get there. Yeah. You're coming tomorrow, right? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm coming next week. Dad said you were live streaming tomorrow. Well, that is. But I'll be, I'll be from here. Uh, yeah. What do you want to, what do you want to say to the people? What people? All the people that are going to hear this. They're hearing this? People are going to hear, not right now, but later. <laughs> really? Say, moment. say, say, uh, say you're listening to after the gig, um, you know, go, go, go buy something on uh, Carbon Leaf's Kickstarter. After the gig, go buy something on Carbon Leaf's Kickstarter. Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> okay. Bye, Scarlett. Can I still talk without the headphones? We, no, we need to wrap this up. So okay. I'll be in. Okay. Tell them about the books. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> it's not actually on video. That's perfect. All right. That's awesome. Yes. We, yes, we long, long days and nights at the studio um, these last these last weeks. And um, sh I was out in the driveway and sh and the, the last thing I heard from Scarlett was, I'm going to see how fast I can ride my bike down the hill. Unbelievable. And then she and then she disappeared. And, and then uh, and apparently she had fallen off and broken her wrist. So oh, man. fractured. Sorry. In two places. Yeah, Terry. Terry was tuned into my uh, my live stream and and said that, and I was like, man, I feel like the like the first week that I came down there, Scarlett broke her arm or something. That's or bro right. Broke the other arm. That's right. I can't remember, or maybe it was the week that the flood happened. Yeah. And and she broke her arm. The flood happened, and it was just a nightmare week. <clears throat> They're so nonchalant about it too. It's like. They go get a colorful cast, and they're like, <laughs> "Cool, <laughs> they're cool." Oh I've never broke it. I've never broke my arm. I broke my nose right. and a couple toes. That's yeah, about, that's about it. I th I think I can't remember. Yeah, but, my my nose got, I would say, fractured. Yeah, I got smashed in the face with a baseball. I got smashed in the um, in the tooth of the baseball. Nice. Chipped my tooth out. Ooh, that's no good. Yeah, Boy, I was, Christmas. I was, he's the one. From uh, uh, Dumb and Dumber. Oh. 
Oh, is that his name? <laughs> yeah, Jim Carrey's character. He has okay, a chip, yeah. he has a chip tooth. Uh, oh, and, oh, right. And a bowl right. cut. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Forgot his name. Uh, what were we saying? Well, we we're talking about the the venues and how. Yeah, uh, this all this garbage is gonna be wrapped up. <laughs> it's a it's a mess. I mean, it's like it's all it's part of what I do every day. Um, w- was was try to figure out what's gonna you know what was what gig was gonna hold and what wasn't and you know, this is this is back in you know a, a March and April and May when you're like okay well this uh, this let's hope this thing wraps up by July we'll keep all our July and August dates maybe we'll move a few around which we did and you know we were able to move things around beautifully like three different times and then yeah. it was just like all right this all worked out great then yeah it was all worked out great good work you know jordan you know our agent was just you know it's just hitting a moving target and then it just finally became punting to 2021 punting to 2021 punting to 2021 it, it's it's just interesting when you're out in the world you see how different it's things are compared to what you see on tv and and the there's the you know uh how things how things look and how things seem i always try to tell people it's like just go outside and look around and walk around and and get get the vibe from the people that are around don't get too close wear a mask but yeah also also just focus on your immediate what you can control like if if uh if i turn on the news man it's just like are we ever gonna go outside? <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. crazy. It's just crazy. You know, yeah, it's you a mess. I've ventured out for the first time, you know, this weekend, just trying to find a, a place to to go out to to breakfast mm. in town, and and it's the first time I'd really driven around a lot of Richmond looking for a place, and um, you know, with the whole with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and all the just windows that have been smashed out and the graffiti and the 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 confederate statues being toppled and then and then like nobody in the streets nobody walking around in the restaurants mm. you know i would say 70 70 70 percent of the restaurants are, are closed down not doing any kind of you know distancing model even um, even still even still yeah interesting yeah it's 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 pretty crazy. Now it's, it's, you know, it's summer and you know, the colleges aren't here. So it's a little, little sleepier from that right. perspective, but still, man, it's just like, yeah, every place, every place here is like, will have their set up like their tape on the ground for where you have to stand and all that stuff. Yeah. I feel like everyone's kind of done, done a good bit of, um, of work to try to, curb the thing i know i don't know what like are there spikes yeah. down there or what, what's going on as far as uh what am, what am i walking into next week <laughs> um i'm not sure about richmond i was just talking to my dad earlier down in norfolk and he said things are actually getting bad there really yeah and um and so so i, I need to read up on, on that a little bit and um, i'm not sure i'm not sure what that's going to mean here but yeah i'm actually I'm going to drive down this time for the first time. Cause I, uh, I don't, there's no, there's no, um, direct flight anymore. The, the flight is from, uh, uh, from Boston that they're not direct flying to Richmond anymore because it was such a small plane and people weren't, and people weren't doing it. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then there's no flight connecting flight from Providence. 
So it's like really weird, weird time to travel right now. So I'm just like, you know what? If yeah. if I'm gonna have to do a layover in in Atlanta, one of the biggest airports where you you can't control how many people are gonna be around, I'm like, I'm just gonna it's gonna take me eight hours to get there anyway. So I might as well just drive and have my right. car and have my space and sure. So it's just uh, well, that's a bummer. But yeah, I mean, it's not. It is what it is. You know. It would be, so be one thing if it was every every weekend, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that, you know. yeah, because you've had it. It's been pretty easy for you to get in and out. Oh yeah, I feel like. yeah. That's never a problem. And I don't mind. I never mind more flying. When, more when you were living in Boston, I guess. Boston was easy. Providence is still easy because everything is so close up here. But yeah. um, you know, it, it's just I if if I was John and I w- hated flying as and you know, doing that whole experience as much as him or, or someone that hates to fly, then, you know, it'd be hard, but I, I like to fly. So never really bothered me. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think we have an episode here. This is great. This is really, really good. Good. Was it, was it everything and more that you hope for? Yeah. I love, I love, you know, I love talking to you and you're, you're, you're interesting. You ask good questions and you're interested and interesting. So, and I never, I didn't prepare at all really <laughs> no i feel like there's lots of things that we touched on and then moved away from so it's like there's so much more stuff you could like really drill down to well that's like, the thing you know, it's you never know and i that's me I, i'll bounce around a bunch and i never know whether uh whether i should stay in a certain area or whether it's interesting and i feel like most of my conversations they kind of jump off in a lot of different places and then if it it kind of weaves its way into a spot and then you develop yep. into that spot and then you see where that kind of goes and i'm never i've never been a big fan of the so this is the question i'm going to ask you here's your answer okay next question it's just i i don't feel like that's a very interesting way yeah. of uh of talking to someone yeah okay <laughs> Yeah, you have you have a yeah yeah. It's just a more um, hold on. Yes, yes. Go in. I'll be in in two minutes. Thanks. <laughs> Dinner time. Yeah. Um, you know, a more organic way of kind of finding the thread. Right. Yeah. It's just uh, I I enjoy doing it this way. I enjoy listening to like long form conversations. I think you just get so much more out of it. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you, as you go, you know, as you go through and listen to your podcast, you'll like, you'll hear, I'm sure things you're like, Oh, I'll make a note to follow up on those, you know, these other things that we talked, started exactly. talking about, but then got, you know, got off some, some other thing. Right. Because, because certain times <clears throat> what I've learned over doing all these episodes is that you can't always control where you want it, where you think you want it to go. Yeah. It's like, Okay, you kind of you kind of poke in the dark a little bit, and then and then you find and then you find something, and then and that yeah. ends up being the episode. And then just like some, you know, yeah, well, that's just like writing a song. Exactly. Know? Yeah, you, know, you you poke around in the dark, and then you you get the thing, you know, and then you go back and rewrite, and go back and figure <laughs> it out. But, yeah, yeah. All right, go inside. Have have uh, have some some Terry Terry cooked food, and yes. I you think know. he's making me a steak, so that's nice. <laughs> and have have Scarlet say, uh, thank you for listening to After the Gig. Say, thank you for listening to After the Gig. With Jesse Humphrey. Thank you for listening to After the Gig. Perfect.
Couldn't have, couldn't have done it better myself. <laughs> All right, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> I will see you next All right, week. Man. Yeah, we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah we do. Got to relearn how to play all these songs. Well, that's it. That's the end of the conversation with Barry Privet. Make sure you check out the Kickstarter, Carbon Leaf Kickstarter. If you're going to be down in Richmond, hang out. Uh, it's going to be really, really fun. Socially distanced uh, drive-in show. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, really honestly just cannot wait to sit behind the drums and hang out with these guys and play these and play this music so also if you're so inclined email the podcast after the gig pod at gmail.com and you can always check out the extra exclusive content at the patreon page patreon.com slash after the gig there's some really great offers on there so go check that out and become a patron support the podcast support this whole thing and artists starving artists um, all right, guys, take care. Have a good one. Time will take these bones from me. Everything's all right, mama. And we them two words, tapestry. Everything's all right. The child's father to the man. Everything's all right, mama. That gun you like won't come back again. Oh